Dustin Garlow. Who is he? Well, he is... Dustin is more of a libertarian, I think, than a conservative, but certainly very, very conservative, a watchdog when it comes to budgets, when it comes to government interfering in our lives. Uh, he's been the managing managing director of the North Dakota Watchdog Network since 2012, uh, previously executive director for the North Dakota Taxpayer Association. I got to know Dustin through the legislature. Uh, I got a chance to know him when, when he'd come in and we'd have debates over issues we, we usually would disagree oftentimes i should say disagree but but there were plenty of times that we did agree uh and so it isn't as though you can't have conversations and be of two political you know different sides of the aisle and, and not find things to agree on uh, i want to get him on and just visit with him uh, during this legislative session every now and then dustin good to have you on news and views Good morning, Joel. I want to talk about some of the issues that have come up, uh, and and not the least of which is, you know, it isn't as though Representative Lee Forrest is without power now. Fair to say? Correct. And and it appears that uh, this individual who I've had on, who I, I respect and appreciate, but he's going after the open records laws. And this is this is taking meat from your table. I mean, talk to me about what's happening here. He is. And, you know, I, I, I give uh, Representative LaFour, who is the House Majority Leader, credit for, for taking hard stances on things like the pension reform and, and tax reform side of things. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm all in favor of a lot of the things that he is pushing. But when it comes to the transparency issues of open records, uh, he's got the bill in that says that no longer would a uh, individual be able to request open records without identifying themselves, which is a complete uh, change of how things have always been. Uh, we, we in North Dakota have the, the right to request public records. If it takes a lot of work to get them or requires a lot of printing, we still have to pay for them. Open records do not mean free records. Uh, but the, the process has been very, very uh good for citizens and for anybody who wants to do investigative type reporting like I do, uh, because we don't have to give them our names. I always do. Uh, we don't have to give them why we want the information. Uh, and, you know, the idea that that should be uh, restrained is just wrong at this point. And I think that you're seeing that in the fact that the, the newspapers are openly coming out against that, because, of course, it's going to impact them, too, because a lot of their stories come from citizens who do open records and then pass that information along to to reporters just like i get a lot of information from citizens as well and uh you know a lot of news stories come about that way and and we should not be uh, stymieing the public and the and the media's ability to actually do investigative journalism when, when i first saw this this attack upon open records the the one thing i thought of right away was how certain state agencies in this case the attorney general's office uh, basically violated the law to get rid of records. And, you know, and nobody is being prosecuted. Nobody is, is you know, basically being taken to the woodshed. You had employees on their way out the door protecting an attorney general that had just passed away. And, and laws were violated. And so I guess what I'm getting at here, Dustin, is they're just doing what they want anyway, aren't they? In a lot of ways, they are, and you know, with the attorney general situation, uh, you know, there there is obviously a lot of people that are wanting to 
protect Wayne Stenjum's reputation. And there are a lot of people that understand that the reason that those emails were, were uh, deleted is not just because of one building with one contract that went over. It's because that's the tip of the iceberg. And there's a lot of other stuff that they don't simply don't want people to have access to and don't want people to find. And, you know, if, if, the legislature doesn't want the public to know certain things. They should make it clear what those things are and and put those in the exemptions. Uh, we can fight them. You know, let's have a debate over it. But the idea that, that an agency and, and employees of an agency can usurp the authority of the legislature in order to, to protect one person or protect multiple people is absurd. And and what we're then seeing on, on this issue is also uh, Representative LaFour is proposing a, a bill that basically would, uh, you know, shut down the ability for faculty at universities, specifically Dickinson State, which is in his district, from speaking publicly in a way that would, quote, unquote, accidentally cause harm for the university. Well, you know, the truth is, is painful oftentimes. And when there's when there's problems, when there's scandals, and when there's corruption, this, the you know the truth of that is going to harm the university or any other government agency. And we should not be creating laws that prevent public employees from speaking because there might be harm to the the public agency. It should be the opposite. We should be encouraging public employees to speak up and let it be known what they know because they work for us. You know, it, they don't work for the the. The government, uh, you know, elected officials—they work for the the public. The the government, the elected officials are just kind of the the middleman in this whole process. And so, you know, there's there's obviously something going on at Dickinson State. I wasn't exactly sure what it was, but you know. We, we've been talking about these scandals at Dickinson, you know, for for twelve years, thirteen years now, and it's it's really one thing after another, and and it's very clear that this latest attack on the open records requests and on faculty speaking out is specifically related to the fact that one professor has come out publicly, uh, Dr. Eric uh, Grabowski has come out publicly talking about some of these things. There was a recent audit with with uh, some findings that just were not in favor of the of the university. And, and clearly, there's an effort to uh, quash this uh, this entire discussion, and and you know, that's just wrong. Trying to silence whistleblowers, we, we should want more whistleblowers because they, you know they, they protect the interests of the taxpayers when they're allowed to speak. We we have a state representative out of Grand Forks that was actually you know coworker came in and said and, and made a, a claim that this state representative in his position at the University of North Dakota uh, was uh, sexually assault. I don't know how you would put it, uh, what what the terminology would be. Anyway, you know, the it was deemed to not have enough evidence that they couldn't go forward, right? What was right. his answer to it? His answer was introduce legislation that makes it a felony if she does it. I mean, think about that. You know, if she's sexually harassed or if she does this, she gets charged with a felony. Yeah, and and obviously, I I mean, it's kind of a touchy subject that, you know, when it comes to false accusations and, you know, there's there's a difference between being accused and found innocent of something, and and it could go either way, and an outright false accusation, and, and... we know that they do happen, but it's very difficult to prove, and it's very difficult to to uh, to do anything about. It. And obviously, that that is designed to have a chilling effect. 
you know, it, it's designed to keep people quiet. And, uh, but you know, he has there, recourse a, through civil courts, right? Yeah, he can. What, absolutely. What, what the yeah. representative is really mad at, and, and believe me, we're finding out more information on him because he threw this big red flag in the air. So there mm-hmm. will be more information, I think, that's going to be coming out. But what, what he's really mad at is not her. I mean, he won against her because it's so easy to win a case like that. What he's mad at is that people like like uh, myself covered it. That's what he's right. mad about. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And it, you know, there, it it does seem like in a lot of these cases there there is a lack of consistency when it comes to investigating these things at different levels of government. I mean, you, know, you can go back to the Luke Simon situation, uh, the last session. Uh, you know, there there is there is not a uniform way that these things are handed, and that is a problem that should be addressed. But the idea of using your power now as a legislator to to uh, issue reprisals against people in those situations that that's just wrong too. I want to talk to you about tax reform, property tax reform, uh, where all this goes. I, I know that you've been a champion uh, for certain segments of residential property. Um, where, what philosophy is there that's what, what cream is coming to the top when it comes to property tax relief here? Because so far what I'm seeing is basically an agenda that's driven by the governor. Uh, I'm not seeing a, a joint or kind of a here's our game plan from the legislature yet. And so you watch it closer. I want to know what you think. Yes. Um, the, you know, the governor has uh, pushed for the income tax cuts to, to create the flat tax. And I'm very much in support of that. I mean, this has been an issue that I've been pushing for 15 years to, to reform the income tax in North Dakota. But you're I wrong, by the way, that, but we can debate that. I, I also believe we can do two things at once, and that is we, we can we can move the needle on uh, reforming the property tax situation. Uh, there's a bill in place that, that would discuss the, the potential of, of the state funding uh, uh, K-12 education at a much higher, maybe even 100% level, that would take that off the local ledger so that that is no longer a reason for local government to, to tax uh, citizens. Uh, there's other bills that would look at uh, changing the valuation process and, and going to a different way of assessing and, and valuating property uh, that will probably be in in a study form. And then one bill that I've brought forward, which is just a, you know it's a small piece of the pie. Uh, you know, mobile home uh, park owners are taxed as commercial, even though their residents uh, are, are using it as residential property. And, and I've pushed the idea that. We should tax them as the property is used rather than as it is zoned and classified. And, you know, it won't guarantee that uh, the residents will save or have their, their rent reduced. But the way that the state requires local government to tax them as commercial ensures that they pay more. So we can't really necessarily guarantee that they will pay less, but we can stop the guarantee that they pay more. These were the last numbers uh, that I saw in the community that that I'm broadcasting from. And if they've changed, I will be glad to get that information if it's given to me. Uh, But unlike other communities the size of Fargo, uh, Fargo has basically a 60% uh, ratio of rent uh, versus own. So 40% of the Mm -hmm. people own a home in this town. Um, It's just the opposite in in other communities is size. The, the reason I bring that up is because I don't believe that people who pay rent believe they pay property tax. 
Right, and, and that's a false belief. I mean, it's all passed through because they, they, they whatever uh, the government charges their landlord, landlord passes that on plus some in order to, to cover their costs. It's part of the overhead. And, and uh, Fargo has a, a larger share of rental uh, residents. But when you look nationally and in other cities in North Dakota, um, there is definitely a shift towards renting. We're, we are the, the, the percentage of people that are practicing home ownership is a, a falling number on a percentage basis over time. Part of it is because younger people uh, simply have, you know, have been burdened with so much student loan debt and other debts that they can't afford or qualify for a mortgage to, to buy a home, or they just don't want to. Um, and, and then you've got, on the flip side, the, the people that do have homes that are are reaching retirement age and want to get out of them, uh, you know, the, the market has gone up so drastically that they they, they expect to be paid uh, what the market is saying. And, and there's going to be a shift. You know, I've been reading a lot of literature on, on the uh, coming liquidity trap between the fact that the, the older retirees are wanting too much for their homes and the younger people who would normally be buying them simply can't afford them, can't get the mortgage. And with the interest rates going back to historical norms, that's only going to become a bigger and bigger problem. Well, the, and, the and, housing crisis of 08 didn't help. You know, 20% right. When I bought a house, it was 10% down, and that was hard enough to come up with when I was in my early 20s. But, Dustin, where do people find your work? How do they get to Watchdog Network? They can go to watchingnd.com. It's a sub-stack. They can uh, sign up for uh, updates, and uh, during session, uh, we've been sending out information every day, basically. And, you know, it, it, we, we keep track of the economic and tax and government oversight type of stuff. We don't get into the social culture war stuff. Uh, we we, we okay. want to make sure that people are understand what's happening with their money. All right. Uh, we'll speak again soon, Dustin. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank uh, you.